0: Welcome, friends. You are listening to the podcast for First Christian Church in Fort Myers, Florida. To learn more, join us online at FCCFM.org. It is a blessing to be able to share God's Word with you today. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Welcome to First Christian Church. We are so glad all of you are here for the final week of our series, The ABCs of Discipleship, which is all about the path to spiritual growth that we are discovering from the very first church, the Jerusalem church in Acts chapter 2. Two. Next week is our annual First Family Christmas, and we can't wait. It's gonna be my first one here. I've heard so much about it. I hear it's awesome. Looking forward to that. Great weekend. Incredible opportunity to invite your friends and family to church to celebrate Christmas and just to be together, not only as a church family, but to invite as many as possible with us. Now, if you're a guest today, we want to welcome you here. If you're joining us online, we're so glad you are here as well. If you're listening on web, Afm, we welcome you to Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 47 says, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles who are being saved. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would speak to us today, that you would inspire us to live our lives for you, and that we would leverage our stories to share Jesus with others. Please add to our number daily those who are being saved. In Jesus' name, amen? amen. Standing on a big stage in a big room full of people, I love to share my faith in Jesus. And if somebody asks me what I believe, just as I'm going about my normal life, my daily life, if somebody asks me what I believe, I love to share my faith with them too. And if I'm on a mission trip and I'm overseas and and we're serving people, I love to share my faith there as well. But you know, when it just comes to going about life in my everyday context, my, surrounded by everyday people, if I'm the one initiating the conversation, I have to be honest with you, I'm really not so great at sharing my faith. I can get a little quiet, I can get a little nervous, get a little bit reserved. It's weird. You want me to go overseas? want me to, to hike under the cover of darkness into a communist village in India, which I've done and tell people about Jesus, sign me up. You want me to go into my neighbor's yard and tell them about Jesus? Well, I have to be honest, that kind of makes me nervous. Anybody with me? Any of you have a hard time enthusiastically sharing your faith? Maybe you're like me, you're a little bit reserved. And if that's you, I just want to say you're not alone. You know, several years ago, I attended a conference up in Orlando, and the theme for the week was all about helping people in our churches share their faith with others. It was the Exponential Conference, and the theme for the year was Spark. And the question being discussed all week was simple, is how can we spark a movement of Christians who will share their faith with their friends? And only a few of the main stage speakers that week were Americans. Most of them were from other countries, particularly from East Asia, where people are converting to Christ in the millions. For instance, in China, there's this pastor, his name is Yang Kai, and he has planted 150,000 new churches and baptized 2.2 million Chinese. Into Jesus Christ in the last 20 years. As he was on stage and he was sharing the beginnings of his ministry, he said this He said, We simply asked God, what kind of strategy would we need to reach the 20 million people in our area? That was their vision reach 20 million people for Christ. And they concluded this. They concluded the best way to share the gospel with as many people as possible was to get as many people as possible to share the gospel. How about that? To get as many people as possible to tell their stories of how Christ has changed their lives. And to this end, they made this the theme of their church. They asked four things of each of their church members. Here they are. Number one, write down the names of the people in their sphere of influence. Just a few moments ago, Pastor Gary talked to us about praying for people who don't know Jesus. He said, write down the names of people in their sphere of influence, friends, family, coworkers, neighbors, classmates, write down the names of anyone who doesn't know Jesus. Number two, write down their own testimony of how Jesus has helped them. Like, what was I like before I met Jesus? What was I like after I met Jesus? How has Jesus helped my life, my job, my home, my marriage? Number three, share their testimony with a fellow believer first as safe practice. And don't just wing it, think it through before sharing it, practice it, make sure it's truthful, make sure it's inspirational. He said, we all have a story to tell about our relationship with Jesus. And then number four, and this was the key, to be a member of their church, they had to tell their story of faith to five people every week. That was the big push for the Christians in Yankai's church, not just to live for Jesus, but to share their faith story with at least five people per week. Now, Yankai, he's this guy, he's even shorter than me. But he is making a bigger spiritual impact than I could ever imagine, And, and hearing about his ministry was so inspiring. He also said this, he said, if American Christians are sharing their faith, which is questionable, They're doing it wrong. In fact, when surveyed, only 29% of people who are unchurched in America, only 29% say a Christian has ever shared their faith with them. That's less than one in three. So very few American Christians are sharing their faith with non-Christians. But just as troubling, Yang Kai says, when we do, we're doing it wrong. For instance, he said, if we just walk up to somebody and say, well, hey, can I tell you about Jesus? Then people are probably going to say, eh, no, thanks. Or if we just see somebody in the streets say, can I invite you to church? People are going to say, no, thanks. Or even even if you do that at work. But if we say you go to work and say, man, I got into a big fight with my wife last night. Then people are going to say, tell me more because <laughs> they like the juicy stuff. And so he said, I would, I would train my people how to do this. He said, I would train my, wife, my people to say, man, I got into a big fight with my wife last night and it wasn't going well and we were fighting about this and that. But then I remembered the Bible says, my prayers are hindered if I mistreat my wife. Wait, what? The Bible says, what? Yeah, 1 Peter 3, 7 says, I can't expect God to bless my life when I'm mistreating my wife. And he says, then a spiritual conversation happens. Yang Kai said, maybe nobody wants to hear about Jesus anymore, but everybody wants to hear your bad story. So tell your bad story with a good purpose. And the Christians in his churches are telling their stories with a purpose. Their church grew from 30 people to 200 people in the first three months. It grew to 10,000 people in the first year. And as I mentioned, over the past 20 years, they have planted 150,000 new churches in China and baptized 2.2 million people into Jesus Christ. His people are evangelizing. And today we're gonna define the word evangelism like this. It's a lot of baggage with this word, but really it's simple. Evangelism is enthusiastically sharing your faith. In fact, that is the final step in our discipleship. That is the final step in our spiritual growth. We begin to reach spiritual maturity when we learn to effectively and enthusiastically share our faith with other people. That is the E in the ABCs of discipleship. But you know, for your memory, and since this is the last week, I just want to reiterate each step to discipleship because you're going to hear about these in the days and weeks and months and years to come because this is going to be our path to spiritual growth here at First Christian Church. So let's reiterate each step. The A stands for accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. We accept him as our Savior and we put our faith in him, ask him to forgive our sins, save us for heaven. But he's not just our Savior, he's our Lord. And what it means we say he's our Lord is that we don't just believe in him, we follow him, we look at his life, we live according to his ways. Remember the Sermon on the Mount. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Turn the other cheek. Go the extra mile. It's not just about being saved, but being under his lordship. We accept him as our Lord. Then the B is being together, being fully connected to other believers. We talked about the importance of being in a large group like this, but also in small groups. C, contributing time, talent, and treasure to your church, but also we're doing good deeds in our community as well. So we're serving inside the church, but also outside the church. D is daily time with God, and E is evangelism or enthusiastically sharing your faith. Now here's what we know about discipleship. Crowds of people will accept Jesus and even be together with other believers. Committed people will be contributors rather than consumers, and will spend daily time with God. Complete disciples, those who have come to completion will enthusiastically share their faith. To be spiritually complete, we must enthusiastically share our faith with other people. And when we engage in all these experiences and practices, A, B, C, D, and E, then we can count ourselves as fully devoted disciples of Jesus. I believe we arrive at spiritual maturity and we have not only walked through the ABCs of discipleship, but we're living the ABCs of discipleship. But finally, when we're leading others through these same steps. That's spiritual completion, leading others to faith. Now, you might wonder how we know that enthusiastically sharing our faith is the pinnacle of our discipleship. The answer to that question is twofold, the great commandment and the great commission. First of all, there is the great commandment, and the great commandment is loving God and loving people. If you could take everything the Bible says and sum it up in one command, it's the great commandment, loving God and loving people. Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 40. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. If you love God and you love people, you will tell them about Jesus. It's like winning a prize. If you win a $1 prize, you're probably not gonna tell anyone. If you win a $10 million prize, you're probably going to tell everyone you love, not everyone you know, oh no, but you're probably going to tell everyone you love. And the thing is, Jesus isn't a $1 prize. He's not even a million dollar prize or a 10 million. He can't quantify who Jesus is for us, the prize that we have by following him. If you love God and you love people, then you tell them about Jesus. That's the great commandment, loving God and loving people. And then there's the great commission, which is helping people become disciples of Jesus. That is the primary calling of every single Christ follower. You say, what has God called me to do? Here's the answer. Make disciples. That's what he's called you to do. Whatever context that you're in, that is your calling. That is our calling, loving God, loving people, making disciples. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, the last thing Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, of all people, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. That is the great commission. And if you fully follow Jesus, then you fully understand his final command to his followers is to make disciples of all people. And so living by the great commission and the great commandment is a great indicator of a fully devoted disciple of Jesus. And here's what happens when we, when all of us, not just one or two of us, but when all of us together when we live by the Great Commission and the Great Commandment, here's what happens. Acts 2:47 says, "And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. The Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. And if you read through the first few pages of the book of Acts, Acts chapter one verse 15, the Christian church numbered 150 believers only a chapter later acts 241 the christian church numbers 3000 believers skip forward to acts chapter 4 verse 4 the christian church numbered 5000 men and that wasn't even counting the women and children acts chapter 6 verse 1 it says the number continued to increase started including other ethnic groups in acts chapter 6 verse 7 it says the number of disciples was increasing rapidly the lord added to their number daily those who were being saved as these ancient believers were accepting jesus as their savior and lord being t- together with other believers, contributing their time, talent, and treasure to their church and their community, daily spending time with God and evangelizing or enthusiastically sharing their faith, the Lord was adding to their number daily those who were being saved. And that brings us to our big idea for today. When we enthusiastically share our faith, God will grow us in incredible Unbelievable, unexpected, unprecedented, uncharted ways when we enthusiastically share our faith. God will grow us personally, God will grow us congregationally, God will grow us numerically, God will grow us spiritually, God will grow our resources, God will grow our responsibilities, God will grow our influence, God will grow our ministry, God will grow us in incredible, unbelievable ways when we enthusiastically share our faith. Now, this word enthusiastically, what does it mean? You say, well, I know what that means. It means doing something cheerfully, right? Well, well check this out. And I kind of geek out on old words and studying old words. And so I think this is really cool. Our English word enthusiastic comes from two Greek words, en and theos. Now, theos means God, and so in theos or enthusiastic means very literally God in us. Now, this is really cool. Turns out that in theos, where we get our word enthusiasm, is the Greek word for possessed. And the Greeks they would they would they would talk about being possessed, and if they were if they were really enthusiastic about something, really crazy about something, they'd say, the gods are in us. That's why we're behaving this way. And only later did the word evolve to mean to do something enthusiastically or cheerfully, or maybe you've heard this phrase before, to do something like a man possessed. That became the figure of speech. That's where that phrase came from. And so when we enthusiastically share our faith, we recognize that through the spirit of God, through the Holy Spirit, through God in us, he is working in us to show the world his love. And so cheerfully and enthusiastically, like a person possessed by God, we should share our faith. And yet, as we've already mentioned, we struggle to share our faith in our normal, ordinary context, which is, if you, if you think about it, it's kind of backward. Like, it doesn't really make sense. It doesn't make sense in the real world of relationships that we would struggle to share our faith. I mean, if you love someone and you believe something, you will attempt to bring those two things together. Just like we, just a few moments ago, saw a father baptizing his son. If you love someone and you believe something, you'll attempt to bring those things together. And if you don't, then you either don't really love that someone or you don't really believe that something. You know, I believe, I believe that running is a really healthy exercise. And I really love my family. And so as often as possible, I try to take members of my family on my runs. And lately I've been running a lot with my 17 year old son, Nathan, and uh, he is already faster than me, by the way. I've been training for a year and a half and he's been training for a week and a half (laughs) and he's already faster than me. But if you love someone and you believe something, then you will attempt to bring those two things together. Uh, Think about it like this. If if you're my friend, like if you are really my friend, then I want to know all about you. Like, that's what friendship is. I wanna know everything about you, even if you're my friend and you're a Muslim. I still wanna know everything about you, even if you're an atheist, even if you're very different from me. If you're my friend, then I wanna know all about you, and I want you to know all about me. One of my very best friends in this world, he's a former staff member of mine, he's African-American Christian, he's a pastor, his name is Brandon, one of my favorite people anywhere. You wouldn't believe the questions I ask Brandon. And some of them are, shall we say, politically incorrect, just like many of the questions he asked me. But the thing is, we have such different stories. We're so different socially and ethnically and culturally, but he is my dear friend and I want to share in his life. I want to know his story. I want to know everything about him. And so I asked him questions and he asked me questions and I share my story and he shares his story and that's what you do when you love someone and you believe something. You share your story with them and they share their story with you and and, and when your faith in God is a big part of your story then you naturally share that too. It it doesn't offend me when a Mormon friend shares his faith with me if he's my friend. And if I don't know the guy and he rings my doorbell I'm like no thanks. But if he's my friend, it doesn't offend me when a Muslim friend shares his faith with me. A few months ago I had dinner with a Muslim friend, he was telling me all about his faith. It doesn't offend me. Was he trying to evangelize me? Yeah. That's okay, he's my friend. Doesn't it offend me if I have an atheist friend who shares his beliefs with me? If he's my friend and and if I'm their friend, it shouldn't be offensive when I do the same. People are not offended. Contrary to popular belief, people are not offended when their friends share their faith with them. But people are offended when we substitute sarcasm for sharing our faith. Or we substitute biting bumper stickers for enthusiastically sharing our faith. Or when we stand on a street corner and we angrily yell at people as a substitute for sharing our faith. And we take condescending and condemning signs to the monthly music festival downtown and hold them up. Or when we attempt to align the timeless historical Christian faith with contemporary American politics. That's offensive. But when we enthusiastically share our faith, people are inspired, not offended. If we are gracious and kind and gentle and truthful and loving and humble and authentic, and if we tell the stories of our struggles and how Jesus helped us through them, people are not offended. They're inspired They wanna hear more. You know, I cannot imagine where I would be today if in the 1950s, some lady I've never met had not invited the little boy next door to their annual vacation Bible school at the 29th and Yale Church of Christ in Tulsa, Oklahoma. If she hadn't had a friendship with that boy's mother and had that friendship not resulted in an invitation to VBS and had that invitation to VBS not led that boy's mother and later father to becoming a Christian, I can't imagine where I would be today because that little boy was my dad. And that relationship led a redneck family that had at some point in the years prior descended out of the Ozark Mountains of Arkansas into Oklahoma To embrace in that family for the very first time. To embrace the love of Jesus Christ. And here I am today. Embracing the love of Jesus Christ for myself. And some of you are here today embracing the love of Jesus Christ for yourselves. And maybe some of you are here doing that for the very first time. And and I wouldn't be here. And maybe there's at least one or two of you who wouldn't be here today. Today. If it weren't for that lady sharing her faith back in the 1950s in Tulsa, Oklahoma, through a simple invitation to vacation Bible school at the 29th and Yale Church of Christ. If we will enthusiastically share our faith, then we will see God at work. We will see it with our own eyes. We'll see how God works relentlessly to show his love to people and to draw people to himself and to save them through Jesus Christ. If we will enthusiastically share our faith, then we will see how God will add to our number daily, those who are being saved. And his activity will deepen our faith and our spirituality if we will learn to enthusiastically share our faith, we will see God at work. Several generations ago, a man named Edward kemble you've probably never heard of him, just felt compelled to share his faith. And so not only did he teach a Sunday school class at his local church, but he also actively shared his faith outside of his church. And he became friends with a young man named Dwight Moody, and Moody worked in a shoe store at the time, and he was stocking shelves in that shoe store when Kimball enthusiastically shared his faith with Mr. Moody. It was sometime after that conversation that Moody became a Christian, and he began to enthusiastically share his faith with others, and Moody led a man named Wilbur Chapman to Jesus Chapman began to share his faith, and he led a professional baseball player named Billy Sunday to Jesus. And Billy Sunday left professional baseball to become a preacher. And he would hold revival meetings all across the country, and hundreds and sometimes even thousands of people would show up to hear Billy Sunday preach. One year when Billy Sunday was holding a revival meeting in Charlotte, North Carolina, there was a big fuss by some of the local boys. They wanted to stir up trouble for Billy Sunday and for the revival meeting and intrigued by the whole thing. There was another young man who's not a believer, also named Billy. We'll call him Billy number two. He heard about this and he wanted to see what would happen when the rabble rousers confronted the revival organizers. And so he attended the revival meeting. And he was rather skeptical of Christians and preachers, and especially as revivals. And he was actually later quoted as saying, nobody ever attended revivals except for old men, crazy women, and children. But he went to that revival meeting because he wanted to see a fight. But instead, he was so distressed by what he heard from the preaching that he actually got up and walked out before any of it came to a head. But the words he had heard stuck with him all night and then all the next day. And then the following night, Billy, number two, returned to that revival meeting. He became a Christ follower. And then later he himself became a preacher. And he preached to a lot of people. In fact, as of 2008, Billy number two's estimated lifetime audience including both radio and television broadcasts, had topped 2.2 billion people. And of course, that is the most people in history. 2.2 billion people heard the gospel from Billy Graham's mouth. And we can trace it back to Edward Kimball Enthusiastically sharing his faith with Dwight Moody in the stockroom of a shoe store. You know, every one of us, maybe none of us, can be a Billy Graham, but every single one of us can be an Edward Kimball if we will enthusiastically share our faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for everything, all of it, for creating us, for giving us life, for the ups and the downs we experience in life, for speaking to us in so many ways, for drawing us to you again in the ups and the downs, for saving us through Jesus, for changing us for the better, for making us more like you. May we learn to enthusiastically share our faith so that not just we, but that others might come to you and grow in you and be changed by you as well. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. We pray this message has been a blessing to you. If we can pray for you or encourage you in any capacity, please let us know at FCCFM.org.